Hi there, it's Alexander Fenter again. Just want to welcome uh, Sarepta Church and Church on the Way and any other church or people that are watching this this morning. Um, I've been invited to take the series further on the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. So I'll be speaking this morning and then on John chapter 21, the first half, and then next Sunday on John chapter 21, the second part, and then on the ascension of Jesus going through to the end of May, the 31st, which is Pentecost Sunday, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So just to say that it's an honor for me again to be sharing, and I hope that you can walk this journey with us in these various teachings. It's actually a follow-on from the Passover crucifixion that I did um, last month, April, as well as then the new, the Big Bang of the New Creation, which was Easter Sunday. And then I did Jesus Breaks Lockdown, part one and part two. And last Sunday, I spoke on the story of Jesus appearing to the two on the road to Emmaus. So this um, this morning, I'm speaking on John's Gospel, chapter 21. So if you want to read with me, I'm just going to read from verse 1 down to verse 14. So after Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. They were together up north in the Galilee area. They had left Jerusalem and had traveled up there about a week and a half after Jesus' resurrection. Peter then said, I am going out to fish. And the others said, well, we'll go with you. And so they went out and got into the boat. But that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and then he jumped into the water. And the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the, the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. Simon Peter then climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 of them. But even so, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. 
And none of the disciples dared ask them, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. But Jesus came and then took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to his disciples after he had raised them from the dead. So this passage, and I will continue because the story actually continues. And John chapter 21 is the closing chapter of the Gospel of John. And it has two Pericopes in Greek, that basically means from verse 1 to 14 is like one long paragraph or story. Then from verse 15 to the end is the second part, which we will pick up next week. But essentially, this is about the risen Jesus renewing our calling. And this first part has to do with fishing and then feasting, the the fish and the breakfast. The second part in renewing our calling has to do with love and life, and especially focused on Peter. So just to go through this and draw out some uh, lessons and um, encouragement for us in this time of lockdown, as we face a lot of pressure, I don't know about you, but uh, the longer this goes on, in, in some ways, the greater the pressure. In other ways, you learn a new rhythm and And everything has changed. There's a new lifestyle, a new way of doing things. Be that as it may. So it begins with the seven disciples. And John specifically lists the seven who had left Jerusalem and had gone up to um, the Galilee, to where they actually originally came from. The fact that John specifically mentions seven disciples may be symbolic because he always uses symbolism of all all the apostles in terms of their mood and where they were at inwardly. Jesus had appeared to them twice as a group in Jerusalem, which is recorded in John chapter 20. And I've told one of those stories on the Sunday night that he, he rose in the upper room, he appeared to them. But this is, according to John, his third appearance to them. So they had left and gone basically back to their business, back to their life as usual from where they came in Tiberias on the Sea of Galilee. And perhaps it was because they were waiting around in Jerusalem with nothing to do, um, unsure Jesus had, had revealed himself to them. But for whatever reasons, they returned home to business as usual. And they went out to fish, and as normal all-night fishing, but they caught nothing. And John uses this word, they caught nothing. (laughs) The word nothing is a very clear word that John uses repeatedly, but especially in chapter chapter 15, verse 5, where Jesus speaks that he is the true vine, and he says, without me, you can do nothing. And indeed, without Jesus, they caught nothing. And then early in the morning when it was dark and and John connotes the same phrase as in John chapter 20 verse verse 1 when Mary went to the tomb early in the morning when it was still dark and it was the sun was just on on the edge of the horizon. So while it was still dark, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And this is a wonderful symbolic picture. Jesus is on the shore. He, they, through the mist of the morning, they don't see it's him. 
but it's dark in terms of their mood. They've worked hard. They're tired and exhausted, probably in some senses disillusioned. Business as usual, life as usual is not working well. <laughs> and Jesus is on the shore, on the other side of death, the shore of resurrection, of kingdom come. And they are in the boat of life and business as usual in the sea of uncertainty, where they, by the sweat of their brow, they have to eke out a living in order um, to eat and to feed their families. But it really is not working. And this stranger who suddenly appears on the shore, call, he takes the initiative and calls out to them and says, Friends, have you caught anything? In other words, have you got anything for me to buy or to feed me? Have you been successful? Um, and the answer, of course, is no. And then the stranger says, and of course, the stranger, the fact that he was kept um, from uh, being recognized by them, also connotes Mary in the earlier chapter, John 20, where she goes to the tomb early in the morning and sees a stranger in the garden, thinking he's the gardener, but he's Jesus. And here, and also, of course, last week I spoke on Cleopas and his wife, who on the road met a stranger who turned out to be Jesus. So here is the same connotations coming up. And the stranger says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some fish. So listening to a stranger instructing seasoned fishermen how to do their business is very strange in itself. But there is, a, there is a unique sense of authority or something about the stranger. And they actually listen to him, trust his word, and obey him. And put their fish, um, rather their nets down on the right side of the boat. And they catch a massive haul of fish. So large that they cannot get the net into the boat. Later, it tells us it's 153 fish. And this immediately strikes John, the beloved disciple, where suddenly he thinks, oh, I've seen this movie before. <laughs> and he realizes this is Jesus. This is the risen king. He calls him. It is the Lord. The word Kyrios here was actually in the Greek, the title for, for Caesar, Caesar's king, the emperor, Kaiser. And he was Lord of all the earth, Kyrios. And uh, when Jesus revealed himself to Thomas in John chapter 20, the story before this one, when Thomas realizes that Jesus is risen, he says, my Lord, my Kyrios and my God, which is in some senses the culmination of John's gospel. It is the king. He's risen. And then Peter, hearing that, responds. But just to pause, friends. And you say, just think about this. The uh, story of the miraculous catch of fish has its counterpart in the other Gospels. Um, the tradition of eyewitnesses behind the Gospels in Matthew, Mark and Luke would all clearly affirm the fact that the first disciples that Jesus called to follow him were all fishermen. He, f he came from Nazareth to Tiberias and Capernaum, which were little 
villages on the Sea of Galilee. And according to Luke chapter 5, and this story clearly echoes Luke chapter 5, there the story. When, according to Luke, when Jesus came to John, at least to Peter and, the, and, and John and James, the sons of Zebedee and the other fishermen, he asked to get in their boat in Luke 5 from verse 1. And he, he, they push off a little offshore and then he, he tells stories to the people on the shore, stories of the kingdom. Apparently when you speak, um, the, the water helps to bounce the voice off and you can be heard clearly. After speaking to the people, teaching them about the kingdom, he tells Peter, let's go out and catch fish. And in that story, when the first time they were called, he said, no, we've, we fished all night and we've caught nothing. And then he says, no, but let's go out and, and put down the nets. And so he obeys this rabbi, young 30-year-old upstart rabbi from Nazareth. What does a rabbi know about fishing who comes from inland, from Nazareth, not from the fishing industry? But in any case... He obeys, puts down the nets, and they catch such a massive haul that first they can't get it all into the boat. They've got to get other boats to come and help them, and their nets break. <clears throat> and Peter is so overcome when he sees the miracle in Luke chapter 5 at the beginning of his first meeting with Jesus that he falls to his knees, I imagine among the fish in the boat, and says, Lord, depart from me because I am a sinful man. You don't want to be with me. Go away from me. And Jesus' response to Peter and to all the other um, fishermen in the boat was, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch people. You will be fishers of people. Not fishers of men. They're also women. Fishers of people. So that was the first calling to join up with Jesus, to follow him, and he would make them, he would form them into fishers of people, to fish people into the kingdom of God. And that metaphor of fishing people into the kingdom actually comes from the Old Testament, from Jeremiah and Ezekiel. They use that imagery which Rabbi Jesus used. So here you have John's story at the end um, after the resurrection of the miraculous catch of fish, which echoes the story at the beginning of Jesus's ministry, and especially Peter, Peter's calling and the calling of the disciples. So this actually is a renewal of their calling to go catch fish for the kingdom, to, to fish people for the kingdom. And so when but in our own, the lesson of the story is quite simple. In our own efforts, with our own resources, doing business and life as usual, we come up empty-handed. The resurrection has happened. Potentially everything is new and different. Just see Jesus for who he is and hear his word. Trust him and do what he asks of you. Obey him and you release the miracles of resurrection. You release the power of the coming age into the uncertainty and the darkness of this age. It's a new morning. The resurrection has happened. And so as they obey him, they catch this miraculous catch of fish. John realizes it's Jesus 
And Peter's response is instead of falling on his knees and saying, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And you've got to remember, <clears throat> Peter had a week and a half, two weeks earlier, on that Thursday night when Judas betrayed Jesus in the garden and he was, he was arrested by the soldiers and taken before the Sanhedrin and before Pilate. There he denied knowing Jesus three times. And we'll pick up that part of the story next Sunday morning. <clears throat> but Peter was not a perfect man. Peter was a broken man. Peter was a weak man. Peter was a sinful man. He even cursed by oath that he knew Jesus. But this time he doesn't say, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. But he suddenly grabs his outer garment, because he had stripped down to what we would call his underarmies, <laughs> in working all night catching fish. So he put on his outer garment, dives into the sea. I mean, typical Peter. He always takes the initiative. He's the leader, naturally. Dives into the water, swims 100 meters. I mean, here is John's comment of his physical prowess. And um, I think it's because of his passionate love for Jesus. He wants to go and cross from his boat of business as usual. Because now he sees who the stranger is, for who he really is, the risen king, his rabbi, his leader, his messiah. And just dives into the water and swims a hundred meters to the shore, the side of resurrection and miracles. And there when he gets there to Jesus, he finds Jesus has now taken the initiative. It's an interesting play that underlines the story all the time. Paul, Peter takes the initiative to go fishing. He takes the initiative to dive in. Jesus takes initiative to ask, have you caught anything? Jesus takes initiative... And he's made a fire and a good old South African fish fry. Jesus provides his own fish and his own bread um, on the fry. And basically, this symbolizes in John that Jesus is re he renews their calling to be fishers of people, but then brings them to the fellowship of the feast, where the resurrected shepherd feeds his sheep. And we are to fish people for the kingdom and God will give us a big, big catch in the power of his resurrection beyond our own human efforts. And, we'll, and we bring those fish into the feast of the kingdom, into table fellowship with the risen king. So Jesus has a bride ready. He has fish that he has supernaturally provided himself. And his own bread, which again picks up John's themes, where Jesus feeds his sheep in John chapter 10 with his own life, the bread of life. John chapter 6, he feeds people by multiplying the bread that he calls then the bread of heaven. And those who come to him, like Peter came to him and the other disciples a bit later in the boat, all who come to him in John chapter 6 verse 35 will never hunger again will never thirst again because he gives us the bread of life and he gives us um, his blood, um, which is life eternal. So the story then basically ends <clears throat> with this feast 
of Jesus and the disciples. But again, what is interesting here is that he invites them, bring some of the fish that you have caught and put it on the bride. In other words, bring what you have, which ironically, clearly in the text, Jesus miraculously provided for them. (laughs) All that we have, whether it's by our own efforts or his supernatural provision, is all from God because the kingdom has come. But there is a a collaboration. It's like, again, echoes John chapter 6, the feeding of the 5,000. That little lunch, packed lunch of, of the boy who didn't go to school, but bunked school to go to the Jesus conference and heard Jesus' story, telling stories of the kingdom, and then had this feeding. He gave us five loaves and two fish. And that little bit, Jesus um, multiplied to to feed the 5,000. Bring what you have caught, that I've also supernaturally provided, by the way, and put it here on the fire. And again, uh, Peter's response is he takes the initiative, natural leader, and he goes back and he helps to haul in the massive net, and they count 153 fish. And it's not because, uh, you know, um, John is necessarily and specifically trying to indicate to the reader it's a, it's, it is a symbol of all the nations of the earth. Many commentators, even in church history, Jerome and Augustine and others try to work out the symbolism of 153 fish. And they've tried to do uh, gymnastics to illustrate that actually it refers to um, all the scattered nations of the Tower of Babel that will come into the kingdom. I think Craig Keener, and I've taken a lot from Craig Keener's commentary on um, John's Gospel, as well as David Carson's, uh, um, his commentary on John's Gospel, but generally, they say it, it, it first of all means that it's a specific eyewitness account of how remarkable this miracle was and how impressed they were that they counted the fish and it was exactly 153. In other words, it was an abundance, a large number of fish. And what, it, what John is probably saying, it symbolizes the over-the-top abundance of the kingdom which again picks up the whole story of the Gospel of John. Uh, John chapter 2, the miracle of turning the water into wine. Um, The best wine is 750 liters of wine. Extravagant over the top. The feeding of the 5,000, they pick up 12 baskets full. Over the top miracle. So basically, the kingdom has come in the resurrection of Jesus. And that God's provision and power of the coming ages is now present um, and is overabundant and is more than all that we need for everyone out there. And of course, the amazing uh, little comment of John, he puts here very clearly, and the net did not break, which echoes the story of Luke chapter 5, where they caught so many fish that they had to call other boats to help them and the nets broke. And I, we could possibly say that John is symbolizing his followers, the church of Jesus Christ, as the story unfolds next week, we will see, is the net 
the new net of the resurrection that is the, the, the means of the gospel of the kingdom to go out to the ends of the earth and catch a large overabundant catch of fishing people into the kingdom that they may come and sit and feast at the table of the Lord. You know that this breakfast that is referred to, it's the word that's used for the first main meal of the day. And most Roman soldiers had to have a big meal in the morning in order to be strong enough to, to face the day. And these, uh, Peter and the apostles, were exhausted. They had labored all night, coming up empty-handed, and were really hungry. And Jesus made them a full-on feast. And that, too, picks up the idea that um, the early church eyewitness tradition was that Jesus regularly feasted with people. He reclined at table and ate and drank. And this is just the symbolism of the banquet of the kingdom that all the nations of the earth are, 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 are called to to sit at the table of the king and to eat and to drink and to feast with the Lord. And you and I, as the followers of Jesus, the church, are the net. We are the fishermen. We are called to be, to be fishers of people to the ends of the earth in the power of the resurrection. And that happens when we see Jesus clearly for who he is and take him at his word, trust him and obey him, which releases the miracles of resurrection power. Can I pray for you? Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you that you are the risen king. Thank you that you defeated death. You overcame sin and sickness and demons and the devil. You are vindicated through resurrection. And Lord, we want to come from our lives of business as usual in the safety of our little boat, in the uncertainty of the sea of this age. We want to cross over to the shore of resurrection where you stand and have our calling renewed and to feast with you in your kingdom. Lord, bless everyone who's listening. Bless everyone in their homes. And may your Holy Spirit come upon them now. And may you renew their calling as they see the risen King. And as they feast with you, Jesus, break your body. Share your life with each one. Bring healing Bring strength, bring power where it's needed, bring renewal, bring new life. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. May God bless you.